This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Fratelloni's Hardware and Garden Stores brings you Garage Logic Podcast number 744. Oh man, it's December 1st already, 2021. <laughs> we reached a high on this day of 68 degrees in Woo! 1998. It was 15 below in 1893, and on this day in 1985, eight and a half inches of snow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse, on the east shore of Spoon Lake, it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your Flashlight King, Fireworks Commissioner, and Keeper of Common Sense, your Mayor, Joe Souchere. I understand that on the Friday Scramble Show, you and Mike Fratelloni had an interesting discussion of what is a very major news story in the yeah. Twin Cities, and that's the sale of uh, Fratelloni's Ace Hardware and Garden Stores, even though the, uh, the stores will be retaining the name Fratelloni. Yeah, uh, the Weekly Scramble, it dropped yesterday afternoon. Oh, it dropped? Yeah, we drop it on dropped. Tuesday afternoon. Um, and I, I didn't even really know if Mike wanted to discuss it, um, but given that that show and, and him being a major sponsor of this show, I thought it'd be kind of cool to hear about the whole process, because Mike's been... A bit stressed the last couple of weeks. <laughs> In fact, he didn't even bother to show up to the show last week. I'm kidding. Uh, but no, it was a really fun episode and, and really interesting to hear the inner dynamic of how a, a sale of 22 hardware stores kind of happens. It was it was I'm a cool gonna, conversation. I, I will be tuning in today. Huh. And he just, and I want to say it on this show too, but he just wanted people to know it's still going to be Fratelloni's. Right. He's still going to work there. It's just owned now by. Oh, he different. is. Yeah, he's still going to work. Why for would the... he do? Tell him to call. Oh wait, I have his number. I'm going to call him. <laughs> I'm going to tell him the same thing I tell my dad. Jesus, retire well, already. Fact, he said, have some uh, fun. I want to. I want to work there a little bit and be the new call screener on GL. And I said, Mike, we don't take calls anymore. You don't take calls, Mike. <laughs> That's, I think that was his point, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Yesterday, the local Fox Nine had the uh, idea that. Fourth warmest November, boom, 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 <laughs> and only to discover that, well, with the exception of maybe 1915 and 1931, well, today it's Denver's turn, and it's a CBS oh. channel out of Denver. Denver weather, where's winter? All caps. Yes. Record heat to start <laughs> December. Okay, what's wrong with you people? Uh, <laughs> really, what, what is wrong with you? Here's, the, here's Denver's warmest Novembers on record. <laughs> Number one. 1949. Okay. 50.9 degrees. Then 1999, 47.2. 2021, 46.3. And they have arrows pointing at it uh, in case you'd missed the fact that it was this year. Number four, 1914. 
at 46.2, one-tenth of a degree warm, uh, less warm than 2021, and 1933, also 46.2. I will say no more about that, but you are not going to escape my attention, you morons. <laughs> you don't even see the, your own irony in pointing out this hysteria when all any rational human being has to do is, thankfully, read the rest of your story. To discover we got 1949, 1914, 1933. Only two modern era years make the top five. 1999 and this year. By the way, uh, we're warmer than Denver in November. Wasn't our, uh, didn't I note yesterday the average 21, uh, 2021 temperature around here was in the 50s? Well, there's only 46.3. Why do you find that surprising? Well, what? we're considerably north of well, Denver. That's true. But there elevation. Yeah, Ele- yeah, elevation. Yeah. You know the neat thing about driving through Denver? What's it, that, Chris? It's, it can go from about 75 <laughs> to 20 in about 15 oh, minutes. Isn't that amazing? Awesome. Or coming off a mountain where yeah. it's cloudy and snowy and uh, there's 6 to 10 to 100 feet of snow. And you drop a couple thousand feet, and it's grass and yeah. leaves. And, Kenny, uh, I remember on the dumb shorts dumb, on the dum dum run. Shorts. I went from air conditioning to the heater, back to air conditioning in yeah. about an hour and a half. Yeah. Well, well, to to conclude this, hey. uh, the, this CBS story notes the record for Wednesday today is seventy three degrees from December first, nineteen seventy three. Uh, looking ahead to Thursday, it should be at least a degree or two warmer, but the record is also slightly higher. The record was set 136 years ago, oh. on December 2nd, 1885, when Denver was 74 degrees. It's one of the oldest record high temperatures that still exists. Okay, thank you. You people, uh, what what's... Did you go to school? Did you have <laughs> did, did you have anyone that taught you any basic principles of a reporting story? Of, of reporting a story. Any any perspective or context does that ever arise in your mind? GLers, what you're getting now is a lesson in how Joe talks to us when we're yeah. not recording yeah. the show. Yeah. Did you ever go to English class? You Listen to you dummy? mountain dew drinker. <laughs> you finished stuffing that cheeseburger in your face. Yeah. Could you think about the show? Yeah. But the, the ultimate point being, the ultimate point being, nothing is learned from this except nothing has changed. Nothing. The climate changes imperceptibly. It always has. It always will. But don't sell me on your hysteric BS. Denver weather, where's winter? Record heat to start December. No, it's not record heat. 1885 was record heat. 1949 was record heat. My favorite, my favorite quote about climate change, I wish I knew who I lifted it from, but it uh, in essence said, the Earth started warming right after it stopped cooling. Oh, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which almost strikes me as inevitable. Yes. It? Yeah. Isn't it's like spring. A, wasn't that a George Carlin bit too? Uh, I don't a, know. I, I thought he had a big he had a big rant on climate change years he, ago. I'm sure he did. But I'll give you another rant. I meant to note this yesterday from offsite correspondent Jordy. Was it Jordy or Kelsey? Jordy. Uh, if you wish to voluntarily kick the bucket and shuffle off this motor mortal coil, Germany's Euthanasia Association would like you to prepare for the afterlife by getting your vaccine. 
Euthanasia is an extremely sad subject, and it's even sadder to see mostly Western governments legalize it as our world increasingly devalues human life and denies the existence of a righteous God in heaven. Uh, But for those who believe that life is all there is and that we should be free to leave it when, when and how we please, even this level of procedural red tape is beyond parody. This is true, by the way. Irony has been declared many times in this pandemic, but now from COVID-riddled Germany comes the final proof. proof. You can't kill yourself now unless you've been vaccinated. (laughs) As European countries battle to limit the spread of the virus, uh, the German Euthanasia Association has issued a new directive declaring it will now only help those who have been vaccinated or recovered from the disease. And Jordy notes brings to mind the George Carlin routine talking to the paranoia of bugs and germs. They clean your arm with alcohol to give you a lethal injection. <laughs> right. Carlin was a really sharp observer of yes, he was. culture, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Very much. He, he came a long way from his, you know, the Daffy Weatherman on the Tonight Show. You know, tonight's forecast dark. He grew into... Uh, yeah. Quite a... Uh, he was also the uh, conductor on Thomas the Train. I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, it yeah. was for a while. Thanks, right John. before Ringo, I think, right, Chris? Oh, you're right. Ringo, Ringo, Ringo was the conductor for Ringo a while, Ringo was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did they afford those guys, by the way? <laughs> I don't know. Can we stop driving cars through people? That'd be nice. Yeah. A motorist drove through a protest outside the Kim Potter trial last night, but it appears no one was seriously hurt. Outside the Hennepin County Courthouse in downtown Minneapolis, protesters were in the streets near a memorial to Dante Wright on the courthouse lawn. There was a car seen driving through the crowd. Video from the scene captured this. The video shows that some protesters tried to stop the driver by getting on top of the vehicle and running after it, but the driver kept going. A woman who was crying said the car had hit her, uh, but this is from WCCO-TV. They said no one was seriously hurt, and we know that Potter is on trial, of course, for the shooting death of Wright in April. The uh, police chief at the time said Potter thought she was using her taser, but instead fired her gun during the traffic stop, which we, which we all know and will follow. This trial is fated to develop the same level of national and perhaps world interest as the George Floyd trial, as noted by the presence yesterday of George Floyd's girlfriend uh, joining the uh, the Wright family, even though the two cases are not remotely analogous. And uh, you know, what, are, what are we protesting? Well, it's she was arrested. She's uh, going to be on trial for manslaughter. What are we protesting? You know, you said this yesterday too, Joe, but you keep, thinking that some of these people that are protesting are applying logic to this situation, and they are not. No, but it, The likes of us would apply logic to this. This fellow resisted all orders given by police, intended fully to flee the scene, and died of a tragic accident. Stop right there. This was the first paragraph that I circled in the Star Tribune today because... I got so mad. Listen to this paragraph. Tell me what's missing. Mm -hmm. Police body camera footage captured the moment showing Potter firing her handgun at Wright as she yelled, Taser, Taser, Taser. 
Wright was stopped for expired tabs, and police discovered there was a warrant for his arrest on a gross misdemeanor weapons charge. Mm -hmm. End of paragraph. Mm -hmm. What is missing from that paragraph? That he resisted all efforts to comply with their orders and that he intended to drive away. He got back in the car. Got back in the car and was going to leave. What kind of app, uh, um, what kind of poor reporting do we have to deal with? Are they trying to sway the public here? I'm talking about the Star Tribune. Who wrote it? Uh, I, in front of me. I ripped the front half of it out first. I got it. I got it. Oh, uh, Chan, oh, Chow Zong and Paul Walsh and Rochelle Olson. I, I'm sorry, I can't pronounce. I think it's Chow. Chow Zong. Zong, okay, yeah. Well, I don't know him, but I, I know Paul Walsh. He's been. And Rochelle has been there for a while. Yeah. Uh, I would not say they're attempting to sway anybody, but they're so invested in, what's the word? Let's be careful here. Joe, it's swaying. There's no other way to put it. I mean, you could think for the rest of the day on a good way to put it. That paragraph is trying to sway the public by leaving out the most critical of information. People who don't know anything about this, if they pick this up and read it, it, it sounds right, like right. police pulled him over right. for a misdemeanor thing and shot him dead. Right. right. There's no ex... ex uh, uh, but the, the, the vague ideology at work, perhaps it isn't even vague, is that Kyle Rittenhouse, for example, is an evil white murderer. Yeah, white supremacist. But uh, what's the guy's name in Waukesha? Help me. Oh, um, the uh, driver. Brooks. Brooks. Daryl Brooks. Daryl Brooks is a victim of oppression. A car tore through the Waukesha Parade. Yeah, there was a great post that I saw that said, if you're more angry about Kyle Rittenhouse than you are about Daryl Brooks, mm -hmm. you are part of the problem. That's absolutely. And, and that's the ideology in the newsrooms. It never used to be... Uh, the uh, news-gathering institutions have attracted to their ranks uh, people who are amenable to this kind of thinking. And what happens is the public struggles even more mightily to, uh, to discern objective news. Exactly. I mean, people that defend the Star Tribune, they'll say, well, where are you getting this liberal media nonsense? They don't come right out and Say well, well, no. Of Read course, that they story. don't. They leave out critical information, information that led up to Potter thinking she pulled her taser when she accidentally pulled her firearm. Mm -hmm. And people will jump on the fact that why he shouldn't have even been pulled over for an expired tab. Right, and we've been down that road before. And then yeah. it's since then that John Choi, the Ramsey County attorney, has decided they. Uh, St. Paul police will not be stopping people for expired tabs. So if that car with expired tabs has 300 pounds of crack and meth and everything else in it and f illegal firearms and, and ammunition, they just keep on going down the street. And the warrant out for the driver might be for domestic abuse or uh, yep. or felony theft or, yep. or whatever, and uh, it's not going to be reconciled. No, it, uh, right, right, correct, uh, right. Assuming uh, that the misdemeanor would be expired tabs or equipment violation, right, yeah. So what do you think of the jurors? What do we got, four now? Uh, I believe, seven. I think we're up to seven. Oh. Yep. Mm -hmm. What do you think of these questionnaires? 
What do you think of the way they word questionnaires? Well, they're, each side is trying to load the jury box with the with like-minded people, and uh, I don't think we should be terribly surprised by it. Uh, it's the leading questions. They're very leading, yeah. Which they'll say, they'll make a statement, and then uh, it would say strongly agree, uh, strongly disagree, somewhat disagree, and you don't actually get to speak your mind on these questionnaires. And these attorneys are aided and abetted by uh, people who have become so-called experts in jury selection. You know, they're flying in consultants to help them pick the jury. You know, and the, but those questionnaires what? they they do end up the lawyers get those questionnaires and then get to question the jurors in person. Right. They, right. So they, they base. They, right. they can follow up on the questionnaire if they right. find something weird about it. Okay. In their in their eyes. Were you just pointing to height? Yeah. Oh, I thought you had something you <laughs> no. wanted to do. John's very soft-spoken, so I wanted to make sure he uh, was, was... It's going to be an interesting trial to follow. Yeah, I'll say. Uh, well, I, have the... to, I believe she is contrite. I believe it was an accident. I believe it's dreadful. Uh, but I do not believe that a white female police officer got up that morning hoping to kill a young black man. I do have a question about this because obviously the, the charge with Chauvin was, was murder. Right. And this is manslaughter. Right. So whenever a decision is made in this particular case and the, the mob uh, learns of what her fate will be, is anything going to be satisfactory to them? Because I don't think a manslaughter charge will be. Do you guys? I think that's already part of the protest, isn't it? That right. I think yeah, she, okay. Yeah. She should be charged with something uh, heavier or more But severe. we knew that a long time ago, correct? That, that's what right, she, yes. Yeah. Manslaughter yep. charge is an acknowledgment of the accidental nature of this. Correct, yep. And, and uh, as I said yesterday, the video filmed by that young lady on 38th in Chicago, that undid Chauvin. Right. As it might very well should have. The video here might very well help this woman. And because it, it shows her clearly dealing with someone who's recalcitrant and doesn't intend to stay and intends to flee. And she says, no, taser, taser, taser. And she did the wrong thing. But right. I don't think anything is going to satisfy the angry mob is, I guess, the point no. I'm trying to make. No, because we've become a group of mobs in this country. Mm-hmm. And facts be damned. Nope. I'm really learning something from this case and reading today's Star Tribune piece about the way people think and the thoughts that they have that I consider erroneous. One was a lady who was, um, I believe she was let go. She told the court that she had studied public health and has a pretty good understanding of how racial disparity and economic, uh, systematic racism operates. The woman said she felt somewhat negative about Potter and that Blue Lives Matter was not about police, but rather a calling card for white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I saw that and I was stunned. Mm -hmm. At no time have I ever thought that supporting police officers and flying that you know that blue kind of bluish united states flag thing i never th consider white supremacy i thought it was supporting cops 
because they've got a rotten job. No, we've come a long way from that, and in a moment, we're going to revisit that thin blue line controversy from up in Sartell. Well, good. I'm glad you. Good. I'm glad you brought that up. So, So that's what it was in Sartell. They think the thin blue line supporting cops is. You're a white supremacist? Really? Mm-hmm. What if the cop I have in my brain that I'm thinking of every time I see the thing, what if that guy's a black guy? Right. <laughs> How do black police officers feel about that? This can go all the way back to Obama's first year in office when he immediately Harvard. Yep. Uh, jumped to the conclusion that is it Henry Gates? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that uh, Henry Gates was a complete victim of a white police officer, only to discover that the officer was uh, considered to be just one hell of a guy in the black community and was well liked and had a great record and was just merely doing what a cop has to do. And uh, I don't like that That's Gates guy. That's a whole another long conversation about white privilege and things that <laughs> you uh, have the privilege of, of doing that people of color don't have the privilege of how do i have the privilege of white privilege david by virtue of being a white male you have white privilege Uh, ariva i hate to break it to (laughs) you but you should have been better prepped i'm black boom (laughs) boom boom ariva martin you moron (laughs) that is so but the condescending laugh it gets me every time obviously you don't get it uh ariva i hate to break it to you you got the bad people (laughs) (laughs) you guys i really blew it what? What do you mean? I blew Tim Bloom's Black Friday sale at EcoFund Motorsports. Joe! Well, we weren't here last Friday. Well, that's true. Or Thursday. And the sale was going to end last Friday. Uh, I'm extending it. I know this could get me in trouble with you. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now. You you ins- you go in there. Okay. Highway 61, downtown Forest Lake. And you say Souchere said the sale has been extended through Saturday. Oh, Jesus. Well, I got to take that <laughs> chance. And it's a hell of a sale. It's a hell of a sale. There's a pre-COVID prices on kids' ATVs, Bintelli electric bikes and scooters. Uh, it's been over two years since prices have been this low. Uh, and prices are good while the in-stock products last. And let me tell you something. This was all a result of uh, the uh, me blowing the ad. He, this was going to be his big Black Friday blowout. I feel so bad. I'm extending the sale. Okay. Youth ATVs from $9.99. E-bikes from $13.99. Those gas-powered scooters that turn every urban errand into an adventure at $12.99. Off-road stuff. Those four-wheel off-road babies. You, you name it. Every you tell everything him, must go. Tell him GL said this sale <laughs> continues through Saturday. Okay. December 4th. I hope I don't have to write a big check for this. <laughs> don't worry, Tim. <laughs> Joe's got great. you covered. Tim Blooms at EcoFun Motorsports. That sale will continue through this Saturday, the uh, December 4th, and it's just really great. These are the lowest prices in more than two years on those kids' ATVs, scooters, and electric bikes just in time for Christmas. Great youth recreational equipment. Youth ATVs from nine ninety nine. That's a fun gift for a kid. I bet. Yes. That is a fun gift for look at look at what look your what kid, I, not my kid. Look what I got here: electric bikes from thirteen ninety nine. Uh, I've got all, look at look at this: a journey step through electric bike, classic step through design, three fifty W hub drive motor, ten point four amp Samsung battery, six speed Shimano shifting. This isn't even a Bentelli. It's a journey step through thirteen ninety nine. Nice. 
Five colors in stock, purple, teal, mint, white, and pink. 24-inch Kenda tires, the matching fenders and rear rack, two-year limited warranty. You get the idea. Mm -hmm. You go in now to EcoFun, and you said, I was listening to that loudmouth on uh, <laughs> Garage Logic, and he's, uh, he's assuring us that this sale now runs through December 4th, and I'm putting him up against the wall. There you go. He's, he's going to have to say, What did he do on the show I guess he did. I guess he did. That's EcoFun Motorsports. It's on Highway 61 in downtown Forest Lake. Hey, GLers, it's Reavers here with a couple of questions for you. Are you noticing a decrease in the following? Maybe strength, endurance, enjoyment of life, libido, or maybe it's just a lack of energy. Are you tired of feeling exhausted even after you eat dinner? I've got an answer for you. You need to call my friends at Everest Men's Health. From signs of low testosterone to other deficiencies, they examine every single area important to a man's overall health. And that allows them to develop an easy-to-follow plan that will ensure your success. It does not matter where you fall on the spectrum of men's health. The time is right now to come into Everest Men's Health and take the first steps toward realizing your best health possible. The great thing about Everest is their medical specialists look at the entire picture and they figure out what is causing these changes to you. They start with a full medical evaluation to check testosterone levels, important vitamin levels, blood levels, and overall body composition. And once they identify the deficiencies such as low T or vitamin deficiencies, they create a personalized lifestyle program that can include testosterone replacement, medication management, vitamin and natural supplementation, and exercise prescription and nutritional guidance. Trust me, Everest is fantastic and they provide a comfortable environment that is not intimidating like other medical clinics. They specialize in men's health and they can be your doctor for all your health needs and they will refer you to a specialist if needed. It's a wonderful environment and fantastic people. Go online right now to EverestMensHealth.com and you can call today to schedule your $50 testosterone test at any one of their three locations in Woodbury, Plymouth, and now in and please let them know that you heard about them on the Garage Logic podcast. This guy wears many hats, just not indoors. Joe Suchere. Boy, talk about not being ready to do an ad. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you caught me uh, in mid research form here. I actually, oh, I hope the roommate isn't listening because the 48 hours haven't even started on the 48 hour roll. Uh, I'm bringing home a 1948 Minneapolis Moline UTU. It's a four-cylinder. Is this the oh. one you showed me the other day? Cool. It's got a stuck engine. Um, the pipe, it's, you know, an upright pipe, rotted off, top end filled with water. So the plan is get this thing home and fill the top end full of deep creep. And the research you caught me in the middle of is I'm trying to find seafoam deep creep in the gallon size so i find plenty of motor treatment you can buy a gallon of seafoam motor treatment and by the way i'll be doing that uh really soon uh because you know why have 80 cans on stock when you can you know have a gallon or two on hand but i did find 12 ounce cans of deep creep with the screw top on so i can actually just screw the top off glug 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 i'm going to fill those cylinders up and uh, let it sit uh, all winter inside a shed, and then I'm going to take off the starter and do all that and w with the ring gear and try to break it loose so I don't have to take the top end off. But if I do take the top end off, of course, you know, seafoam deep creep is playing into that. Why? 
because it's better than anything else on the market. Believe me, I used to use the other stuff. I thought it was so good, and all it does is down the road, it attracts water and it attracts rust, and you got to keep it coated. Not seafoam deep creep. This stuff is a magic elixir, as is, of course, the engine treatment. I use it in all my cylinders. Diesel, two-stroke, four-stroke, you name it, it's got seafoam motor treatment in it. Why? Because in a world of bad gas, this is the best product available. I'm talking seafoam. Wonderful. Yeah, you know. Joe, you might recall the thin blue line flags that were removed from the Sartell squad cars. Oh, yeah. After the efforts of a young woman and turns out a sitting school board member, he's referring to this woman we discussed earlier in the summer named Hannah Kozlowski. Uh, and he said, here's an article about how the community responded. This is from uh, Chris Yasger. The town is littered with signs of support for our officers from yard signs to vehicle decals. I submit this as a sign of Americana. There is still a sliver of sanity away from the tall buildings. Yes, but this Hannah Kozlowski has done her best to make you believe you live near tall buildings. On Tuesday, more than five grand was raised by a group of Sartell area residents, and it was donated to the Minnesota Law Enforcement Memorial Association. The organization pays for and plans for funerals for officers killed in the line of duty. The money was raised from selling thin blue line yard signs and car decals at a Black the Blue rally held at Winner's Bar and Grill in Sartell on October 14. The rally was in response to the Sartell Police Department's announcement that they were removing the thin blue line decals from patrol vehicles and replacing them with a different decal. The flags became the flags became controversial after Sartell resident Hannah Kozlowski argued the symbol had been co-opted by pro-policing groups like Blue Lives Matter to mock calls for racial justice, police mm. accountability, and the Black Lives Matter movement. Well, the young lady is lying. Yeah. The uh, the decals have nothing to do with uh, what's wrong with a pro-police group. Nothing. Absolutely but that, nothing. that rubbed her the wrong way, and of having it did. nothing else to do as a graduate of some failed academy, she returned home to Sartell and began up to... St- she really got her 15 minutes of fame, didn't she? Yes, she did, Joe. And, and, uh, but the uh, residents of Sartell uh, struck back. They pushed back, and they raised money, and uh, those decals are available to people now. They can put them on their own cars if they wish. really be fun if uh, young Hannah would... Uh meet and hang out and talk and get to know a police officer or, or go a on a ride along or a sheriff no no that's that's a kind of a uh, a staged thing I, i'd like her to meet one in a bar in a restaurant off duty talk to some of these police officers the way most of us have talked to them on the street when they're doing their job just mm-hmm. hanging out i used to pull over in south minneapolis when i saw a couple of cops hanging out you know i'd I'd pull over and go hey i live in front of uh, sibley park and uh there's always some kids down there cursing and causing problems why don't you just do me a favor go hang out at sibley what makes they would and you talk to these guys what makes you think with her bent worldview she would even be capable of that kind of conversation (sighs) i don't think she would be i just wish she could hear the stories that we've heard you know, you know a ton of cops in St. Paul. So does Rook. Yeah. Uh, and you're not hearing propaganda. You're not hearing white supremacist nonsense. You're hearing and you're talking to men and women who all they've wanted to do 
is do good, help people, be sheepdogs. They go into police work for the same reason that doctors and nurses do. Yeah, but she's uh, she's in, she's. I I would imagine she's enjoying her moment of That's fame. That's exactly what I was just going to say. She's very proud of herself that she's but been she's, able to Joe, rile things up. She's being proud of being a dumbass, an uninformed that. dumbass. Well, she doesn't know that. And the other part about this, Kenny, she's now emboldened because her initial it worked. strategy worked, she and now won. what's going to be her next you know, champ or cause that she's going to champion? By the Can way, I, I think we discovered she's a waitress somewhere that, that's ringing a bell. Yes. Well, let's not call attention to where she works. No, she no, no, no. But my point was going to be, for all we know, she's waited on off-duty police and probably didn't even know it. You and I were doing a favor for the Douglas County Sheriff's Department a couple of years ago where um, when they'd roll into my hometown here and go to the convenience store, anything they bought in there other than gasoline was on us. Mm-hmm. And the deal I had with the people that work there is you can't tell them. You can't tell the police officers who's doing this. Why are you telling us now? Because I want to tell you the story about this Because you owe cop. Kenny a check. This, <laughs> this deputy, being a cop, found out who was doing this. He found my number because he's a cop. He called me, and I talked to him. And just the simple act of buying him a cup of coffee... And uh, and the candy bar was so moving to him that he had to get a hold of me and thank me and tell me that there are times in his day, in his life, where he thinks he might have made the wrong choice and all he wants to do is help people. And he was really, really touched and moved and thankful. And and I had to explain to him, we need you, man. We we need you now more than ever. Please keep, keep what? I know this is a downer, but... Please keep your head up and please keep doing it. Don't give up no, on I, us. We need you. No, I was just going to say that. Oh, uh, I know exactly what story you're going to mention. No, no. He, he, never, he never called me. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't care. I thought you were going to mention the time that you were at uh, the cigar shop. <laughs> oh, I still feel bad about that. Well, what you a ma- dummy I am. <laughs> but these guys, they don't get into law enforcement so they can kick black ass. Mm-hmm. They get into it because they want to help all of us. Kenny, They're the sheepdog type. In that same vein, I, I think I told the story in the air, but maybe I didn't. I took my dad and my boys to the Gopher football game for homecoming. And there was a lot of Minneapolis cops that were there to help with security. And I just, I was waiting in line for something. And I shook the cop's hand and said, hey, thanks a lot for what you're doing. And he kept shaking my hand. He said, you're the first person that said anything to me that, on that today. You I guys, thought, wow! You guys saw what a pain in the, the ass I was at the state oh fair. Oh my right? God, you were embarrassing! <laughs> I don't think he'd mind if I told the story. I was walking a couple of weeks ago, and the guy across the street said, "Hey, Such," and I didn't know who it was. And I said, "Who is it?" And he said, "Axdell." Well, it was the chief, and I said, "I'll figure it out." And I walked. You across, were praying. I was. I walked across the street and had a nice talk with Todd Axdell. He was out for his walk, and uh, at some point I just said, man, I'm crushed that you've made this decision. Uh, you, you're a hell of a chief, and he said, so am I. Wow. Um, would he? Do you think had uh, Melvin not been reelected, would he have mm-hmm. changed his mind? I think there would have been a fighting chance. Wow, that I is don't a think, shame. I don't think the public has heard the last of him. He's a young guy. He's got talent. Uh, he'll land on his feet doing something, but... He has proven to be one hell of a police chief. But there is an, another example of a, a qualified, really good person that we need representing law enforcement that's choosing, I don't need to deal with this. Mm-hmm. 
And there's countless stories all across the country in that same regard. Well, what he's choosing not to deal with is the bureaucratic nonsense and the reduction in staffing. And but the, you could say the, the same thing about— struggle to get a budget. And, Joe, you could say the same thing about Baltimore, about oh, Chicago, absolutely, absolutely. about, you know, yeah. New York. Yep. Joe, listening to Monday's show talking about the Beatles documentary, Peter Jackson made a documentary called When We Were Young about World War I. He restored all real footage— colorized, added sound, and actors that read lips. It's amazing, and it's like someone took a high-definition camera back in time. You will love it. Uh, on a separate note, I live in Knoxville, Tennessee. Does DK Mag ship out of state? Thanks, Master Sergeant Jonathan Young, Air National Guard Public Affairs Specialist. And uh, Kenny believes that they could, but they would have to ship it to a federally licensed firearms dealer. Is that yeah, correct? that's how that works. You can't yeah. receive a firearm in the mail. Just uh, talk to DK Mags, uh, ask them to ship it to whatever your closest um, federal firearms dealer is. That's simply a gun shop, and that's where you pick it up. The, uh, Joe, I'm uh, looking at that Peter Jackson thing, just so we don't get a bunch of uh, text. The actual name is They Shall Not Grow Old. Oh, okay. That's the name of the, of the right. film. All right. Yep. Did anybody watch the final episode of the uh, Get Back Beatles documentary? Not to no, give me your I, Disney Plus password. So all I got left is the last one. <laughs> I have the last one left. Yeah. I'm saving, saving it for it. special uh. time. <laughs> saving it for sp- I have to have a silent room. I can't have 14 people running around. Oh, that's there. true. Yeah. <laughs> what so, are you watching? What are you watching? <laughs> it takes some concentration because the conversations are fast and furious, and you have to and I'm listen glad very closely. I'm glad that, what do you call that when you see the writing on the screen? Captions. I'm glad there are captions because yeah. they have thick colloquial accents, and uh, sometimes yeah. I can't understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes they try to hide what they're saying from the camera that they know is there. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. luckily we put captions up on occasion. It's too bad we don't have that in real life, right? I actually grabbed a snippet <laughs> for you, not knowing that you were going to bring this up today. Aerysville, yeah. Yeah, because uh, we got all this talent here, and uh, like, and then uh, we lost four. So, like, uh, three games, one and three right now. So, we got a lot of talent. So, that's everybody Louisiana. expect us to be one and three. So like, Remember when we used to play the Is Pat that Williams Louisiana? game? Yeah. That's Louisiana, right? Monroe, Louisiana. Well, right. Monroe. Who else yeah. was from Monroe, Louisiana, the, and talked just like that? The wide receiver. Sammy White. Sammy White. Sammy White. And you, you would think... This guy couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag intellectually because of the way he spoke, which is right. our bias. Right. The guy was a school teacher. Sammy's yeah. a school teacher. was brilliant. Yeah. And I thought it would be great if Roycey and Pat Williams had a show together. <laughs> oh, my God. We were going to call wonderful. it, what, the oversized something. Oh, man. Didn't we come up with a name for that? Pat Williams. Play that again. That is the greatest colloquial accent I've ever heard. It's worse than Sammy's. I got the winner right here WWC because that sounds like, you know what I'm saying, because, like, uh, we... I like both parts of wrestling, so they always coming on the wrestling. So now it sounds like like WWC Sunday Night SmackDown. And everyone in Monroe, Louisiana, would know exactly, exactly what he was saying. Uh-huh. But when he's yeah. talking to us, he needs like one of those scrolling sign boards right. on his chest <laughs> so we can read the words. <laughs> <laughs> we're from up north where we talk slow. I'm trying to find the Roger Goodell one because the Roger Goodell one's my favorite. Oh, <laughs> yeah, like, you caught the ball up. Like, if, uh, no, it wasn't that one. Oh, was my it, uh, God. I could listen to hours of Patrick. We ain't going to control that. Y'all need to call Roger Goodell. So they want to make us play. Well, they want to make us play. So there we go. Play. Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. <laughs> I love that line. Roger Goodell. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Oh, Sammy caught the first pass uh, in his uh, career by uh, Fran Tarkinen, threw it in a pregame, and Fran ran down there and said, Sammy, I want to make you a star. Nice. And he was. He was a hell of a receiver. Is he the one that got smoked in the Oakland Super Bowl and his helmet came off? I can't uh, I can't go back that far. Weren't you there? I was, but I don't remember that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, for God's last... sakes, what do you want me to remember? Here, right? What about uh, last night? Are you good on last night? Very good. <laughs> okay. Good. Very good. I watched the Wild uh, easily dispatch the uh, Coyotes. The Coyotes mm-hmm. didn't start out that way. We didn't. Uh, they scored first. No, right? uh, the Phoenix has played pretty well in the first period. Yeah. yeah, isn't that our mo though? We like to let the other team score first. Yeah, we like to come from behind. Joe, yeah. I had to turn the Wild off because uh, Curse of Oak Island was on last night, which is the worst. <laughs> the only thing worse is searching for Bigfoot because in both cases, neither of these people are going to find anything. They're finding traces of gold and silver in the wa- uh, water. Yeah, you could do that in my backyard. Well, you might be right about that. God <laughs> can we do one more uh, bit when we come back and then take another break and go to John Height? Sounds good. All right, your show. It's just like Dylan said. You cannot stop him. He'll just make a move. Joe Suchere. I noted in a Newsweek article that as the Salvation Army launches its Red Kettle campaign, it's a 156-year-old organization, by the way, uh, loyal supporters and faithful Salvationists are uh, having great concern about the uh, Salvation Army's initiative dubbed Let's Talk About Racism. In a nutshell, its curriculum outlines the Christian Church's alleged racial collusion and provides action steps to analyze and combat racism through an anti-racist lens while incorporating critical race theory. Uh, Definitions of institutional and systemic racism are included while real or perceived differences in life outcomes, inequities, are are attributable not to individual effort, but to uh, systemic racial inequity. Huh. That's troublesome for those who note the Salvation Army has been a leader in confronting racism long before the rest of the country and over five decades before the civil rights movement. And they're asking why then should members of an organization built by the Christian faith to actually assist people of all races in need be repentant of behavior they never perpetuated? Oh, that's a good question. That's a great question. Uh, but I can tell you one thing. The more I read this, the more I can tell the Salvation Army, you've gotten my last nickel. I have charities uh, that I work with that uh, aren't going to uh, worry about the fact that I'm white, and neither would the Salvation Army. I bet you'd take my money, <laughs> right? Yep. But B as in B, S as in S. Uh, this goes on. This is a long piece. This goes on to say how they're so imbued with critical race teaching and uh, uh, they have materials and meetings they do. I didn't know this. It was founded in London by 1860, in 1865 by a one-time Methodist preacher, William Booth, and his wife, Catherine. Uh, the Salvation Army is both a Christian church and an international charitable organization, organizing an army structure with officers, soldiers, and volunteers. Collectively, they are referred to as Salvationists. Okay. Repent solely for the fact that you're white. We don't think that's very productive. Uh, 
the, uh, the uh, offended have told Newsweek, who also note that 60% of those served by the Salvation Army are from ethnic minority communities. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is not uh, tolerable to me. Uh, you, you can't complain about I'm white and then have your hand out. I, I just don't understand it. Uh, a commentary by author Kenny Zhu published on the conservative news website The Daily Signal last month, addressed what he described as the commission's unhealthy, mixing, admirable human rights works with politically charged, advocacy-based politics. Uh, Zhu is the president of some, it's XU. Uh, he's the president of something called Color Us United, an organization that advocates for a ra- race-blind America. Okay, I'm all for that. He noted items that uh, echo both radical anti-racism jargon and divisive teachings of critical race theory in the materials prepared for the Salvation Army's more than 1.7 million members. The terminology that Z notes divides people into two camps, the oppressors and the oppressed. So in other words, by their teaching, uh, when I go to the red kettle and drop in a dollar, that's coming from the oppressor. Well, bleep you! There has been a lot of backlash, though, because I just looked this up, that they're... they're Good. I hope they rescind this. They're getting slammed, basically, for a lot of this. Is the gospel not colorblind? <laughs> uh, here we go. The Salvation Army is losing donors and facing accusations of going woke because of an international guide TSA created to promote conversations about racism. TSA has defended the guide titled, Let's Talk About Racism. <laughs> although the organization has since removed it in order to evaluate whether it needs clarification. Of course it does. You can't have it both ways. Uh, This Let's Talk About Racism encourages whites to read White Fragility. Well, I'm not going to. And uh, Ibram uh, Ibram X is uh, Kendi's uh, How to Be an Mm Anti-Racist. I'm... God help you, you've done marvelous work over the years. But you're heading into territory that you don't need to head into, especially in your line of work. They've pretty much led the fight, and they have since the get-go. Yes. And now they're lowering themselves to this. They're lowering themselves to wokeism. Yeah, and changing the whole direction. Do you think this was done by design? Let me clarify. I think it was a couple of years ago. Remember when they, they were citing that not as many people have cash on them anymore, so they were seeing a, dec- a decline? I was thinking the same thing, Chris. Yeah. I know where you're going they, here. They were seeing a steady decline year after year of not as many donations because people didn't have, and I'm just as guilty. I, I hardly ever carry cash on me. I'm cash only. They, and so, they luck out when they see me. Sure, but but uh, but a lot of other people are kind of in the same, or you know, they, they shop the same way I do, where it's mostly with, with plastic. So is, was this an effort to try to boost Donations that it completely backfired. Target the heartstrings of the woke crowd. Get those people involved. I have sought out their bell ringers. On cold days, uh, if you walk into a Walgreens or something, the bell ringer might not be there. And I'll go in and ask where the pot is because I convert a couple of cups of change every year. And that becomes, each cup becomes about 75 bucks. And I'm glad to stuff it in the red kettle. But not this year. But wait a second. Put... Hold up. Put the brakes on. Wait a minute. (laughs) Ease to a slow crawl here. By you not donating, you're doing more harm to the people that actually need it. Yeah, you're right. I'll keep donating. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that was easy. Kenny, you should work in sales. (laughs) Kenny, I'm addicted to brake fluid, but I can stop anytime I want. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. 
But right. you know what I'm it. saying, right? Just got it. I mean, because you donate to them for the same reason I do. When I have stuff to give away, um, stuff that's worth money that I want out of my house, books, clothes, etc., etc., it always goes to the Salvation Army. Always, always, always. Because somebody in need, uh, you know, needs that crap. And my favorite store in the Twin Cities is that Salvation Army store that's been there forever right down by the ballpark. Right. But I think what those of us, including me, are offended by is why you've you turned this into a political situation. The Salvation Army has always been apolitical. And I don't think it's a, it's a bad optic for me to be lectured while I hand you money that I'm white. Well, do the opposite then. Instead of seeking out a kettle suit, find out where to send money. Well, I get their mailings every day. Write them a check yeah. and write them a letter and chastise the hell out of them. But I have a And you tell them the only reason I'm sending you this money is not for your outrageous political views. It's for the end user, the people that really need it. I'm, now knock your crap off. I don't mind telling you that I much prefer and always have uh, to give money to the Union Gospel Mission. Well, yeah. yeah that, that's... They've never once lectured me about anything. And the money that they raise does not go to the lifestyles of the people who run the Union Gospel Mission, where I do have a memory of learning that uh, there was a local Salvation Army guy living in a big-time house in Invergrove Heights or something, and uh, he was brought under some questioning for, for where that money came from. I'm not suggesting anything uh, illegal. I'm, I'm merely suggesting that if you do your homework— uh, you can always uh, Mary Jo Copeland, yep. sharing and carrying hands. Mm -hmm. yep. I guarantee yep. you, she doesn't take a nickel. Guarantee it, and she won't take government money. I don't think Mary's with us anymore. Yes, she is. Yeah, Mary Jo oh, Copeland. Oh passed. God, okay. she's with us. Sorry, don't let her hear you say that. She'll flick your ear. Yeah, she'll be, uh, yeah. <laughs> but but Kenny's right, and please do me a favor when you do write that letter, uh, much in the same way that Earl wrote his letter to the league office. Finish it by saying, "And don't think I won't." Yeah, and don't think I won't. <laughs> Write a letter to the league office, Earl. Well, don't think I won't. Well, God bless the Salvation Army. I don't mean to be this strident, but don't lecture me. Take my Salvation, money and don't lecture me. They've gifted more than $200 million in direct financial assistance to help people stay in their homes in 2021. Since the beginning of the pandemic, they've provided more than $225 million uh, of meals 81 million in utility assistance and 111 million in rent and mortgage assistance. Wow. Yes. That's They've done the Lord's work. They've done the Lord's work, but they allowed themselves to be lured into this BS. Well, get yourself out of it quickly, Salvation Army. I bet they will. I bet they will when they realize this could hurt our funding. Cuz they are dedicated to the people who need the help. But don't don't lecture me. Have you heard these ads? I've heard ads on local radio stations for Omaha Steaks. I end up chuckling to myself. Yeah. Why yeah. in the hell are you going to send somebody a check and have a box of meat sent to your house? <laughs> I know. You have no know. idea how long it sits on a truck. When you have Grunhofer's old-fashioned meats right up the road in Hugo on Highway 61 with Wagyu steaks and burgers, not to mention all the other pleasures of meatloaf and brats and ham and bacon and salmon and chicken and soup meats and potato salad and seasonings. I just do get a chuckle out of that because the best steaks in the world are right here. You don't have to send somebody a money order and have a box of meats 
st- uh, put on your stoop. Then the squirrels are going to open the box and eat the meat, and you'll end up with nothing. Nothing. But you, uh, I suppose I'm going to get in trouble now with Omaha Steaks, huh? No, I'm not going to. All I know is uh, I much prefer Grunhofer's. You're a Grunhofer old, guy. I'm a Grunhofer's guy. It's better than anything I've ever tasted. Uh, the original location, of course, is just north of Hugo on Highway 61. Uh, you, you you don't need no mail truck. You just stop there and get get what you want. And then uh, the newest store is in on Forest Lake uh, on Highway 97, just east of Interstate 35. Boy, we're heading into quite an eating season here, aren't we, with Christmas coming up, Thanksgiving just passed. Uh, this is your go-to destination for absolutely the best in the country, Grunhofer's Old Fashioned Meats. It's the end of the world as we know it, and he feels fine. Joe Suchere. Here's John Height. He's playing Thank air you, guitar Joe. currently. I was playing air guitar to my own guitar solo. Yeah. Is that okay? Well, you, you wouldn't know what to do then. <laughs> well, maybe. Uh, tense moments Tuesday night outside the Hennepin County Government Center. You talked about this a little bit already, Joe. A car driving past some barricades into the area where protesters were calling for justice for Dante Wright. Video shows protesters trying to get the driver to stop with some on the roof of the car pounding on the vehicle. The car continued down 7th Street. Officer Garrett Parton, spokesperson for the Minneapolis Police, said no one was injured. Nobody called 911 to report the incident. Uh, police said they are not working to track down the driver because the protesters did not have a permit to block off the street, and thus the driver was not committing a crime by entering the area. Earlier in the day, the space outside the courthouse was filled with people who had gathered to support Wright's family on the first day of the trial. A former Brooklyn Center police officer, Kim Potter, she is charged with manslaughter in Wright's death. Meanwhile, jury selection continues in Potter's trial. Today, we are up to seven jurors at last look. Uh, she uh, is uh, going on trial for shooting and killing Wright when she apparently pulled her service revolver, thinking it was her taser. Justice has become whatever the loudest mob wants it to be. Yep. In this case, finding her guilty of murder. Justice should be the result of a civilized judicial procedure based on evidence and facts. Minnesota hospitalizations for COVID-19 continuing a climb this week as they move toward levels similar to the worst of the pandemic in late 2020. The good news, though, the number of cases themselves are going down, but hospitalizations are up. As of Monday, the state had reached 1,532 hospitalizations for the virus. Taxing the state's health care resources statewide, 74% of hospitals with adult intensive care unit beds said they had zero availability. Of the COVID-19 hospitalizations, 343 were in the intensive care unit. Among health partners, 367 COVID-19 hospitalizations over the past month, 71 percent involved unvaccinated patients 30 of 35 COVID-19 patients placed on ventilators were as well unvaccinated and we discussed this uh during the break but Omicron John it's in California according to Dr. Fauci our first case one case yep yep uh, Marcus Lamb, founder of the largest Christian television network, Daystar, died Tuesday after contracting the coronavirus. Uh, his network during the pandemic has made the virus a huge focus, calling it a satanic attack that should never be treated with vaccines. 
He was 64 years old. Daystar is the second largest Christian network in the world, according to CBN News, reaching 2 billion, that's with a B, people worldwide. Its brand is a fluid, modern, charismatic faith, more about general good versus evil, miraculous healings, and religious freedom than any specific denominational theology. But during the pandemic, Lamb and his network went in big with anti-vaccine conspiracies, hosting daily interviews with skeptics who talked about dangerous, hidden forces pushing vaccines and steel dealing Christians' freedoms. Lamb was 64 years old. Darwin won, Lamb zero. (laughs) (laughs) A 15-year-old sophomore opening fire at his Michigan high school yesterday, killing four students now, a fourth student dying this morning, including a 16-year-old boy who died in a deputy's patrol car on the way to the hospital. Eight other people were wounded, some critically, including a 14-year-old girl who was placed on a ventilator after surgery. Investigators still trying to determine a motive for the shooting at Oxford High School, located about 30 miles north of Detroit. Deputies rushed to the school around lunchtime as more than 100 calls flooded 911 dispatchers with reports of the shooter. Uh, Police said uh, the person who's got the most insight and the motive is not talking, speaking of the shooter. You know, the story we ignored possibly because it's too painful was the five-year-old who died over Thanksgiving weekend uh, in a house where he was shot uh, accidentally, presumably, by others uh, attempting to film a social media video. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, all the the only moral we can learn is you got to keep that stuff locked up. You just got to keep that stuff locked up. You can't have it. You can't have access to it. Just like this kid in Michigan apparently had access to a gun his father bought on Black Friday. Black Friday. Yep. Really? Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, his dad bought the revolver on Black Friday. Oh. Uh, Oh. Did you see the video of the class where he's trying to get in? Yes. The shooter was trying to get in pretending he was a police officer. What gave it away that he wasn't? He said, uh, they said, we don't believe you. We're not going to let you in. And when he answered them, he said something along the lines, well, come on, bro. Yeah. And as soon as he said, bro. When he said, bro, they started diving out the the, window. The students went, that's it. That's, you know, it's a red flag. Did you guys also see the text exchange between one of the students and their parent? No, I did not. I did not. That is, uh, that's a bit troubling. It, was it a, a student who lived, I hope? It, the student was not identified, but just the panic yeah. trying to, you know, and think oh, about being that sure. parent on the other end of that phone. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that was tough to read. A Cottage Grove man arrested and jailed Tuesday after an afternoon bank robbery in the city. The 43-year-old man, who was not immediately identified, is expected to be charged with robbing the Wells Fargo Bank branch at 8770 Point Douglas Road. According to the Cottage Grove Police Department, at 310, a man wearing a black jacket and a black hat carrying a backpack entered the bank and demanded money. He implied he had a weapon but didn't show it. He left the bank with an unknown amount of cash fleeing on foot. 20 minutes later, a man matching that description seen walking in the 9400 block of Jeffrey Avenue tried to run but was caught by uh, police. Uh, Speaking, I'm just going to mention this briefly. Uh, We did talk about this on our earlier podcast, Kenny and I did. Speaking of bank robberies, uh, Kenny yesterday talked about a fellow who got away with it for 50 years. 
Uh, we now know who he was. Ken, he was kind of Kenny's hero, as we talked about it yesterday briefly. Mm-hmm. Kenny's yes. hero. Yeah. He was he was Theodore <laughs> oh, this John. Amazing, brilliant. Theodore, Theodore John Conrad in Ohio was only 20 years old when he robbed the Society National Bank in Cleveland, July 11, 1969, according to the U.S. Marshals. He worked as a teller at the bank on the day of the robbery. Put 215 grand in a paper bag. That's about 1.7 million in today's dollars, and walked out. It was a Friday afternoon. The bank didn't know anything had happened until Monday morning. Well, Conrad didn't show up for work Monday, obviously. Mm. He had a two-day two day head start on law enforcement and didn't get captured in the next 52 years. And uh, it wasn't until earlier this month that they figured out what happened. He had changed his name to Thomas Randall and moved to Linfield, Massachusetts, lived in a suburban neighborhood, died of lung cancer in May at the age of 71. Marshall said they made the discovery after matching paperwork that Conrad had filled out in the 1960s with documents that Randall had filled out later in life, including a 2014 filing for bankruptcy. Yeah, that's unfortunate. He went through that money that quickly. <laughs> he was inspired by the film The Thomas Crown Affair. That's a 1968 Steve McQueen movie where a high-powered businessman pulls off a bank heist just for the fun of it. He was obsessed with the film, watched it many, many times. Uh, solving the case provided closure for the U.S. Marshal, whose dad actually worked on it also as a U.S. Marshal. Peter Elliott said his dad, John, worked on the investigation, and he said, I hope my father is resting a little easier today, knowing his investigation and the U.S. Marshal Service brought closure to this decades-long mystery. Everything in real life, he said, doesn't always end like in the movies. Maybe this guy was really D.B. Cooper. What's funny is news about this guy, D.B. Cooper and Jimmy Hoffa all came out last week. Yeah. So, uh, oh, oh, no, it wasn't this guy, uh, John. It was uh, JFK. Um, JFK's deal was on the 22nd last last week. Mm-hmm. So in one week, we had stories about JFK, uh, D.B. Cooper, because that also happened last week, right. and yep. a new story about where Hoffa might be buried came out last That's week, right. too. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For more than a year, Polaris has worked with Zero Motorcycles to develop a new electric version of its Ranger off-road vehicle, and now the Ranger XP Kinetic is ready. The Kinetic will have 110 horsepower, uh, 140 pound-feet of torque, that's 35% more power, and double the torque of existing utility side-by-side vehicles. The vehicle will be able to tow up to 2,500 pounds and haul and dump 1,250 pounds, according to Polaris. Geared to work. Geared to work for farmers, ranchers, hunters, and landowners, the new electric vehicle not only promises to be quieter with zero direct emissions, it promises more capability, durability, and performance than traditional models. Okay, a couple of questions. Do you have the whole story in front of you? How long is the battery life? Do you know? I don't know. Okay. Uh, that figures. And uh, the price. Do we have, are we under ten grand on this thing? There was no price in the story. Joe, this might be my first electric vehicle. I have a Ranger. Uh, it's utilitarian. You know, I use it for hauling and, and working and in and out of the woods and stuff. Uh, and I absolutely love it. And it has been my complaint. And I've always wanted a silent Ranger or a silent ATV. So well, this I can... is an ATV, not a bike. No. This is an ATV. Right, right. It's four-wheeled side-by-side. You sit in it. It's got a a box in back that you haul your crap in. 
And I've always wanted it so you can sneak through the woods without making any noise. Yeah, you could find oh, Bigfoot. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. I would. I, I might buy one of these. Well, I hope you do. I think that's great. So do I. Yeah, this is awesome. Be on the market soon. Let's see you sneak that in under the 48-hour rule. <laughs> oh, my ranger, my ranger, let me tell you a thing. That thing is so thirsty. Oh, my God, it eats, drinks a lot of gas. Jeez. CNN indefinitely suspending anchor Chris Cuomo after details emerging about how he helped his brother, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, to face charges of sexual harassment earlier this year. The network said documents released by New York's Attorney General indicated Cuomo took a greater level of involvement in his brother's efforts than CNN executives previously knew. The CNN anchor pressed sources for info on his brother's accusers and reported back to the governor's staff and was active in helping craft their response to the charges, according to email and a transcript of his testimony to investigators working for State Attorney General Detisha James. Her office found Andrew Cuomo sexually harassed at least 11 women. Chris Cuomo previously acknowledged talking to his brother and offering advice when the governor faced harassment charges, but the info released Monday revealed a lot more details about what exactly he did. Andrew Cuomo resigned in August to avoid a likely impeachment trial. That was the first Otter speech, correct, by Governor Cuomo? I think yes. so. Wasn't yes. he the originator? Yeah. Oh, he yeah. Was the Otter. Yeah. That's what I thought. You sit here and let you bad mouth you the United States of them. America. <laughs> <laughs> and New Yorkers are not stupid. I do a terrible Cuomo. I apologize. But. Is anybody shocked by this Chris Cuomo thing? God, no. Not at all. No. But no, I have to keep adding the proviso that I was really faked out in the beginning by you Andrew were. Cuomo. Yep. Really faked out. By Andrew. Well, he I was learned smooth. my lesson. He was very smooth. Yeah. The House panel investigating the January 6th U.S. Capitol insurrection will vote on pursuing contempt charges against a former Justice Department official as the committee aggressively seeks to gain answers about the attack. The vote to pursue charges against Jeffrey Clark, a former Justice Department lawyer who aligned with Donald Trump as he tried to overturn the election defeat, comes as Trump's top aide in the to- uh, at the time. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows has agreed to cooperate with the panel on a limited basis. Clark appeared for a deposition last month but refused to answer any questions based on Trump's legal efforts to block the investigation. Uh, Meadows is in the news for another reason this morning. In a a new book he has coming out, Mm -hmm. uh, he says President Trump tested positive for COVID-19 three days before that debate with Joe Biden. I'll be darned. Meadows also writes that Meadows also writes that though he knew each candidate was required to test negative for the virus within 72 hours of the start time, he said nothing would stop Trump from going there. Trump, Meadows says in the book, returned a negative result from an earlier test shortly after the positive. Is that fake news? Police union. Is that real? No, he was being a rascal. He's being a rascal. He's being a rascal. Did you write that yourself? Uh, police union. you make that up? <laughs> Don't. It's all. Have you looked at the internet today, Kenny? It's all over the internet. Come on. Okay. All right. If it's on the internet, it's got to be true. (laughs) If there's no internet, what are we going to do for a show? Yeah. Uh, Well, (laughs) police union. (laughs) Such got an answer to that. Police not be a problem. (laughs) Would not be a problem. Joe is one. No, I'm not going to say this in front of him. He doesn't like uh, praise. I'll, I'll say this behind his. He doesn't like praise. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to praise him in front of like, him. Like, like the other stuff you say behind his back. Or is well, he's one of the few dummies I know that can walk into a studio and fill three hours with no show prep whatsoever. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. 
That's all so, I'm going to say. Uh, John, a so, quick update on the Kim Potter trial. This is yes, from sir. Paul Bloom of Fox yeah. 9. He tweeted this out about three minutes ago. Uh, bringing you up to speed during our lunch break, four jurors have been seated today. Uh, the panel is now at eight. Men and women split evenly according to court pool observations. Uh, do you guys care about the okay, six white, one Asian female, one black female looking for 12 plus two alternatives? Right. So there's an update. Got it. Police union leaders are blaming the ACLU for the recent smashing grab robberies that have plagued California ahead of the holiday season. The president of the Los Angeles Police Protective League, Craig Lally, says when society removes accountability for bad behavior, criminals get emboldened to commit more crimes. He said one does not need to be clairvoyant to have predicted that in California, the ACLU's Proposition 47 would turn a family trip to the mall or Home Depot into a dangerous gamble for our residents. That Proposition 47 he's talking about passed back in 2014. Uh, shoplifting charges under that proposition regarding the theft of $950 or less were lowered from felonies to misdemeanors. Uh, you may remember supporters of the ballot measure included then-Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom, tons of other politicians, and among the organizations that supported the measure, the ACLU. According to Tony Montoya, who is the San Francisco Police Officers Association, voters were lied to by the ACLU. Voters were told that prosecuting thieves was really a racist attack on people of color whose only crime is poverty. So Proposition 47, the so-called Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act, lowered felonies to misdemeanors. Talk about rolling out the red carpet for criminals. These smash-and-grab thieves aren't stealing groceries to feed their families. They're ransacking and clearing out high-end stores to sell those goods to to the highest bidder. But see what's happened to crime? It's now being defined as an example of behavioral necessity. Mm-hmm. It's just ruining right, this country. It's ruining the country. That's what, uh, that's what Tony the Montoya said. chief says. Uh, that's how it was sold to people. Yep. Wasn't Tony Montoya the Al Pacino? Uh, incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. Montana. Yeah, Montana. Oh, Tony Montana. Yeah. John, thank you. Montana. Say yeah. hello to my little sure. friend. Yeah. Thank you, John. <laughs> Truth, Justice, and the Suzeray. Mr. Mayor, longtime listener with a story to share. My brother-in-law's brother-in-law. Wait, no. I'm not even going to bother to try to figure that out. Brother-in-law's brother-in-law. Let's not dwell on it. My brother-in-law's brother-in-law took his family to San Francisco for the Vikings game. Oh. After the game, they found their SUV rental with the windows smashed. They had left their valuables at the hotel, so there was nothing to steal. I don't know the name of their hotel, but I'm certain it was a nice place, or at least was once upon a time. They had a long conversation with one of the bellhops who had come to America from the Philippines for a better quality of life. He spoke of how dangerous the city had become. In fact, it's so bad that whenever they get their customers' luggage out of the vehicles, they have to send two people, one to procure the bags and the other to stand watch so the bags don't get snatched. kidding me. He's planning to move back to the Philippines as his American dream has become a nightmare. Uh, Lucky for Pelosi, she won't have to retire in the city she helped ruin. She and DeSantis will no doubt get along fabulously, always pushing back Paul from Coon Rapids. If, uh, if, I were that f- if I were that fella, I'd just move someplace else in the U.S., not yeah, back to the that's, Philippines. That's, exactly, that's just me. Yeah. Yeah. Go to yeah. Phoenix. Yeah. You know, move yeah. somewhere else. <laughs> Here's a neat picture that uh, 
Christopher sent in of his dad wearing uh, one of the State Fair shirts that he was given 10 years ago on his 80th birthday. Nice. Uh, today would be his 90th birthday. Wow. Nice. And cool. here's a guy who says, uh, this is Michael. I'll be sporting my GL Truckers hat for the next couple of weeks as I wander through the streets of Mumbai, India. I'm going to be in town for the wedding of my girlfriend's nephew. Uh, so there you have to see there's the picture of the of the hat that he's taking. And I'm the only one that can currently see it. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Kenny, you had something on your mind. Uh, today is December 1st. Who said this uh, in 1955? I was not tired physically. No, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. Every American should know who said that. It was Rosa Parks. It I'll was be. today in 1955 that she was arrested. She was the badass of uh, the civil rights movement. But a lot of people don't know that before Rosa Parks, we had Claudette Austin, mm -hmm. uh, who later was uh, became Claudette Colvin. Uh, she was a pioneer, and she's still with us, a pioneer of the 50, uh, 1950s civil rights movement. On March 2nd, 1955, she was arrested at the age of 15 in Montgomery for refusing to give up her seat to a white woman on a crowded, segregated bus. It occurred nine months before the more widely known incident in which Rosa Parks was arrested. And the civil rights movement, and probably rightfully so at the time, they needed good press, and uh, Claudette was pregnant and unmarried. So they ah, thought uh, the at white... At 15? Yeah, the, the white press is going to get a hold of that, and she'll have no credibility. Um, okay. They'd call her a bad guy, a bad girl, and the case wouldn't have a chance. Uh, but I would encourage GLers to go to the old Wikipedia and read about her. And her treatment on that day that she was arrested was absolutely appalling from virtually everybody. Um, but those are very, very, uh, two very, very important people in the civil rights uh, movement. And just a one opinion here. Um, today is called Rosa Parks Day, mm -hmm. but so is February 4th, hmm. uh, which was her birthday. We need to get together on this as a country and name one of these let's days. Let's just have one day for Rosa. Either today or February 4th, either one. Uh, let's go with one day and celebrate her the way we should. That's all. Only because they come to us all the way from Marloth Park in Mumpumalanga, South Africa, from the Traveling Lymans. On this day in 1855... At the Washington Navy Yard, Susan L. Mann christened the steam frigate Minnesota with a bottle of Minnesota water. On April 6 of the previous year, Congress had authorized construction of the ship and coincidentally the frigate Merrimack. Rebuilt as a Confederate ironclad and renamed the Virginia, it would attack the Minnesota during the Civil War. Oh, huh. There's some irony for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh... What what is this now? Uh, in 1941, on this day, yeah, against a background of war in Europe and bitter pro and anti-union activity in the Twin Cities, 18 members of the Socialist Workers Party are found guilty in Minneapolis on account of conspiring to undermine the loyalty of U.S. military forces and of publishing material advocating the overthrow of the government. Vincent R. Dunn a leader in Teamsters Local 544 and the other defendants are, however, found not guilty on account of seditious conspiracy to overthrow the government by force. 
Five more defendants, also party members, were acquitted on both counts. And on this day in 1982, December 1st, uh-huh. Clement A. Hoppers dies in St. Paul in the same Ramsey Hill house in which he was born in 1900, known for developing the Minnesota State Art Fair show into a major exhibition of local work. He also led the Works Progress Administration in Minnesota. Throughout his career, Hoppers insisted that artists should support themselves without government grants. In this vein, when asked to give art students a lecture on how to survive financially, Hoppers responded, sure, that'll be 150 bucks. <laughs> Good hey, for speaking, that guy. Uh, speaking of the fair, by the way, tickets are on sale. I just saw so you guys that. Know. You're yeah. kidding 2022, me. yeah. Ready it's to not go. even... It's still it's 2021. Two, 255 <laughs> days or something oh like that, Chris. I think it's great. I suppose. I think it's great. What are you going to do? Thank <laughs> you, GLers. What? Won't uh, next, let's see, let me do the math. Uh-oh. Next Tuesday, won't that be the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor? 1941, uh, yeah. 1941, yes, it will. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. I don't know why I just thought of that, because mm-hmm. you said December 1st. That made me mm-hmm. think of, okay, that's all I had. Nothing. nothing Thank you, GL. Nothing to see here. Sorry about that. Okay. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Hey, uh, speaking of uh, me rambling nonsensically, will you please head on over to the Garage Logic YouTube page and hit that subscribe button for us? That would be swell. And you can find us on all various social media platforms, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram. All sorts of content is available for you. And don't forget to download that PodMN app where you, yes, you, have the chance to win daily prizes just by listening to Garage Logic. It's that simple. We'll catch you tomorrow.